Governor Holcomb speaks for the first time since the Supreme Court's ruling on abortion as state lawmakers delay their special session. We'll hear what the governor's saying about the future of abortion law in Indiana, and we'll hear from state lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Plus, Congressional Representatives Larry Bouchon and Andre Carson on the Supreme Court ruling and the bombshell congressional hearing on the January 6th attack. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dan Spieler. Days after a historic and controversial Supreme Court ruling, the focus now shifts to the Indiana State House, where Indiana lawmakers are poised to enact new restrictions once their special session begins later this month after a short delay. So do they know yet what kind of restrictions they might enact? Our Kristen Eskow took those questions straight to Governor Holcomb. Why not have more urgency on these funds? Well, I'm working with the legislature uh, and started the shot clock on the session on July 6th. Uh, and so that gives the legislature ample time to do work now and when they meet in person. Governor Eric Holcomb says he expects lawmakers will use that time between now and July 25th to begin work on new limits to abortion. But that also means taxpayers will have to wait longer for his proposed $225 inflation relief tax refund, which Holcomb originally wanted passed by the end of June. It just makes me more anxious to get it done. I'm even more um, persuaded that we can give at least a billion dollars back to Hoosiers. On abortion, Holcomb says he's ready to sign any new restrictions that lawmakers pass. I don't have any red lines right now. The delay to state house action on abortion drawing mixed reaction. I would honestly say that, that we welcome the extra time. It allows Women for Change to rally our members. In an ideal world, we would have loved to have had the special session happen immediately after the decision came down uh, from the Supreme Court. But we understand there are a lot of dynamics in play. Meanwhile, Republican State Representative Jake Teshka recently told South Bend station WSBT a total abortion ban is unlikely. I would expect uh, that we would land somewhere uh, with a, a ban with exceptions for life of the mother uh, and likely rape and incest as well. And Dan, under the law, legislators will have until August 14th to finish the special session. They've said this will be a multi-week session that will include, of course, committee hearings and public testimony. Okay, you've been reaching out here to more Republican leaders to see exactly what it is that they're going to be proposing once this session begins next month. Any word yet? Not yet, and they won't talk with us on camera about it. We've reached out to Republican legislative leaders, the committee chairs for the health committees in both the House and Senate, and they've either declined or not returned our requests for interviews. All right, still a lot of questions about what these new laws might look like. We know it'll stay on top of it. Kristen, thank you so much. Meantime, in a statement on this delay, House Minority Leader Phil Giaquinta of Fort Wayne said access to life-saving health care and abortion are still safe and legal in Indiana, and House Democrats will fight to ensure Hoosier women continue to have these protections. We also heard from State Rep Maureen Bauer. Forced birth policy imposed by state government is risky, but even more so in a state that has the third highest maternal mortality rate in the nation. Now, in place of restrictions, Representative Bauer says her caucus is proposing longer paid maternity leave and eliminating the so-called diaper tax. This week, we're also hearing from healthcare providers across Indiana who spoke with Aaliyah Blackburn. They say any new restrictions on abortion 
could have dire consequences. As a mother of five, Allie Schaefer says abortion was not for her, but as a birth worker of 10 years, she knows every woman's story is different. I've worked with several women who have needed to utilize resources out that now will not be available um, and not to any fault of their own. Concern comes after the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson overturning Roe versus Wade. The decision eliminates federal protection to abortion access in the U.S. and now leaves individual states to determine their own abortion laws. I think many doctors are afraid that with this decision, people are going to be in danger. Statistics show Indiana already has a high maternal mortality rate. Doctors like Allison Case say banning resources like abortion is only going to make it worse, especially for at-risk groups like minority women, LGBTQ, and those of low income. People who can't access abortion either in other states or through other means will resort to risky and unsafe abortion practices. Dr. Caitlin Bernard in OBGYN says pregnancy is already a risky process. She says women and babies can experience severe and even deadly complications where abortion could be a necessary option. And while there may be exceptions to certain situations, she says it could cause issues in prescribing care. There's lots of situations in which doctors, if they're constantly having to worry if they're going to be prosecuted, won't necessarily take um, or provide the care that is medically necessary if they're worried about, you know, going to jail. As Indiana lawmakers have yet to decide, concern is growing by the day. As Schaefer says, there's more to this decision than people realize. So for me, this is not a political issue. This is just a fundamental human rights issue. In Indianapolis, Aaliyah Blackburn, Fox 59 News. Aaliyah Blackburn reporting there. Aaliyah, thanks. We're also getting reaction in Washington where there have been protests ever since that ruling last week. Today we're hearing from Indiana's congressional delegation, including Congressman Larry Bouchon, who spoke with our Washington Bureau after the ruling. Well, I'm pro-life, so I'm happy about the ruling. I think that the ruling in 1973 should have uh, just left it to the states and realized this decision today, that's what it did. It, it went back and looked at the original Constitution and Dick basically said that um, the, the right to an abortion is not specifically outlined in the Constitution and should be left up to the, to the elected officials uh, primarily at the state level. And so I think that's what will happen. And you're going to see state legislatures and governors across the country make different decisions based on uh, the, the uh, people that they represent. And I think that's where it should have been left in the first place. So I'm pro-life, so I'm happy about it. Um, and uh, I think we'll see what the state of Indiana chooses to do. Uh, would you support a federal ban on abortion? I don't think that's going to be necessary because the Supreme Court uh, has ruled um, the way it has. But, of course, if we did bring that up, I would be supportive. I mean, I've already voted multiple times to protect the life of the unborn. And if we bring up legislation to uh, make it illegal at the federal level, uh, then I'd have to consider that seriously, yes. All right, on the other side of the aisle, we also spoke with Congressman Andre Carson, who joined me Thursday for an interview on Zoom. I think it's a tough time, obviously, for uh, women, uh, Hoosier women, and all Americans, quite frankly, who value the freedom to make their own medical decisions. Um, you know, the, the House has already passed legislation to protect the woman's right to choose. And, you know, we're, we're really calling on the Senate to take up our bill immediately and do the right thing. You mentioned the House legislation to try to codify 
Roe v. Wade. Conversely, Republicans, many Republicans are saying if they take back Congress, they may try to enact a federal abortion ban. We just saw an interview with Congressman Larry Bouchon, who does have a background in medicine, though not specifically sure. reproductive rights, and he said he would be potentially supportive of such a measure. Are you surprised to to hear him say that, given given his background in medicine? And what's your reaction to some of those calls for a federal ban? Well, well, uh, look, Larry's a smart man. Um, we're 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 neighbors, and um, you know he has a right to his opinion, and, and and I respect his opinion, even though I disagree. And we have disagreements, but I think he's a very smart individual. He's a very smart physician. We've talked about healthcare one on one personally. But, you know, I think the Supreme Court has effectively mandated forced pregnancies. And, and, and you know, that, that, that takes away an intensely personal freedom for pregnant women to make decisions about their bodies uh, with a doctor or even a loved one. And instead of bringing politicians into these decisions in, in folks' bedrooms, I think every woman, every family for that matter, and every pregnant person should fear what this means for their future. I also want to get your reaction to the January 6th hearings. We certainly saw uh, what many have described as a, a historic hearing. Will this past week's hearing move the needle either in terms of Republicans perhaps looking for a different nominee in the next presidential election or in terms of the DOJ and what they may be seeking to do in terms of any potential criminal charges? Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that's that, that's the pervasive question. You know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what the committee uncovers. Uh, you know, this summer the committee began presenting really evidence in in a public hearing, and I think that uh, you know the DOJ is watching, the American people are watching, the world is watching. You know, I expect that they will provide a very comprehensive report at the conclusion of the public hearings and. Uh, whatever happens, uh, I hope that this leaves a mark and sends a message to anyone, a presidential candidate or otherwise, who seeks to abuse his or her power in a way that jeopardizes the lives of not only their colleagues, but of fellow Americans. I mean, lives were lost that day. My interview there with Congressman Andre Carson. Let's get more reaction now to this week's bombshell testimony from Washington correspondent Rashad Hudson. That surprise witness turned out to be a former staffer who shared explosive minute-by-minute accounts of what was happening inside and outside the White House on January 6. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. Cassidy Hutchinson shared new details with the House January 6 committee about former President Trump's actions on the day a mob of people stormed the Capitol. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. She also testified that the former president threw dishes multiple times, including after learning about an interview given by former attorney general Bill Barr. I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there's a shattered porcelain plate. Leading up to the riot, the committee said the D.C. Metropolitan Police spotted multiple people with guns. We got three men walking down the street in fatigue carrying AR-15. Hutchinson said she was disgusted when Trump tweeted that former Vice President Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. It was 
unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. And former President Trump responded to Hutchinson's testimony in real time on his social media platform, calling it false. Reporting in Washington, Rashad Hudson, back to you. All right, Rashad, thanks. Coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus, we'll talk with our panel about the upcoming special session and what's happening behind closed doors as lawmakers decide what to do on the issue of abortion. And still ahead, an Indiana mayor shares his concerns about the new state law now in effect, making it legal for most anyone to possess a handgun. Stick around, we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Time to bring in our panel right now with us here in studio. Abdul Hakim Shabazz from IndiePolitics.org and Casey Smith from the recently launched Indiana Capital Chronicle. And with us today on Zoom, UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson and Politico's Adam Wren, who's also the author of the Importantville newsletter on Indiana politics. Casey, I'll start with you. The Capital Chronicle launching this past week, uh, certainly with no shortage of news to cover right now. W what are you hearing about this special session now starting on the 25th instead of next week? Is there any reason to believe that that's because there's just no agreement yet amongst Republicans on what kind of law they want to enact here? So we learned this week uh, that uh, the legislators, uh, they are running into a holiday weekend right now. Uh, logistically, that's causing some, what we've heard from the governor and from some of the Republican leadership is uh, that's caused uh, them to, A, want to delay it for that reason so they can get everybody back into the state statehouse. Uh, but also we learned that uh, lawmakers didn't have uh, a bill or bills uh, ready to go after the high court uh, ruling on abortion. So for that reason, uh, the governor and lawmakers are saying they need more time to decide what they're going to do, um, what that bill or what those bills might look like. We do not know yet. They're going to have to figure that out in the coming weeks. All right, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, uh, Abdul, this also means the governor's check to taxpayers now getting delayed. That was also going to be a part of this special session, but obviously the big focus here is going to be on abortion. What else are you hearing in terms of uh, how long this special session might take and, and some of the discussions happening now behind closed doors. Well, I'm hearing that the special session could take all 40 days, to be brutally brutal honest with you. Number two, part of what makes this uh, so difficult for lawmakers to get through is there are different degrees of pro-life. There are some pro-life folks who say no abortion whatsoever. Some say the mother's life is in danger. Some say her health is in danger, rape, incest, et cetera. You've got a period like, is it 13 weeks? Is it 10 weeks? And what do you do about uh, no penalties? Do you punish doctors? Do you punish the mother? Do you punish the Uber driver who gave her a lift to the, to the hospital? Yeah. So you've got all these different sort of playing parts. Uh, in effect, the one thing that from a number of lawmakers I've spoken to sort of on background this past week have said is that they all believe that there should be an exemption for the mother's life. That is pretty much almost sort of universal amongst the pro-life community. Now, whether we add to rape and incest, those other uh, exemptions remains to be seen. But I, th I think I can say that no matter what lawmakers do, uh, the mother's life will be part of that will be part of that package. There's a lot of really consequential stuff to sort through here, Laura. And in the midst of all of this, the governor is saying he doesn't plan to draw any quote-unquote red lines when it comes to abortion bills coming from the legislature. He says he'll sign most any measure that gets to his desk. H how far might the General Assembly try to go with this? Well, it does provide an interesting opportunity for unification within the party, even though the likelihood, as Abdul suggested, is a long special session because now they have to go through all the context and exceptions, explanations, what do we allow, how much do we allow, under what circumstances do we allow. And interestingly, though, as Holcomb said, you know, he's not necessarily going to redline things. And you've seen a really adversarial relationship between the governor and the state legislature over the last several years. So if 
if the legislature does bring something to him the way he's described it that he is very interested potentially willing to sign that uh, i i feel like it's a somewhat of a unification for the party at the state level and certainly an opportunity for them to come together and say we may disagree on mass policy we may disagree on the role of the legislature versus the executive branch but this is one policy this is one area in which our party does stand together and unifies on we'll see how it comes together here meantime a lot of conversation in congress too adam about whether democrats can somehow codify Roe v. Wade into law, but even partially rolling back the filibuster doesn't seem likely right now. And on the flip side, we heard there from Congressman Bouchon, who said he'd consider supporting a federal ban if Republicans regain control of Congress. Yeah, Dan, that's right. And even the day that Roe was struck down, we saw uh, former Vice President Mike Pence call for a national ban. Uh, and so I think that you're going to see an ener energy there, uh, particularly after November, if Republicans take back the House, if that's not been done already, to, to, to go for a ban. Um, and if, if the Republicans win back the Senate, you know, it's possible that we might see a federal ban in addition to Roe having been overturned. So it's quite a, a fascinating moment for abortion politics, not only here in Indiana, but nationally. And of course, all of this with very real implications here in Indiana. Casey, this Supreme Court ruling could also mean that previous measures from legislators that got struck down in court may, may have a second chance here. And Attorney General Todd Rokita uh, already working behind the scenes uh, trying to make that happen now. Yeah, uh, we've already seen the Attorney General Todd Rokita um, earlier this week. He's asked the court to lift uh, injunctions on several of those laws. That includes uh, a ban on abortions um, that seeks to specifically, specifically because um, of uh, based on the child's race, sex, or, or disability. Um, we've also seen Rokita um, try to ask the court to lift an injunction um, on a ban on dismember and, uh, dismemberment uh, abortions. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with those right. yet. Uh, we'll be watching it really closely to see. And we'll see how that plays out. Legally speaking here, Abdul, this is all certainly very new terrain uh, here with the current makeup of the court. Yes, uh, we're, we're, new, we're new terrain, we're new territory. One thing Indiana, uh, was speaking to once again, spoke to a lawmaker earlier today, he made an interesting point that Indiana was, was smart not to do a sort of a trigger law. Uh, because uh, had a lot of because you know the number of states have been right. trigger laws and so what Roe was overturned, their their old anti-abortion laws go into effect. He said that would have complicated matters even more well, so. Now there's some time to debate it. Yeah, yeah. So now they yeah. got some time to debate, some time to sort of walk through all okay. of this. S switching gears here now to the January 6th hearings, bombshell testimony uh, last week from Cassidy Hutchinson. Laura, how significant was this testimony? What's it going to mean, big picture, when it comes to the overall importance of these hearings? I think this was really significant. And in particular, Cassie Hutchinson had a great memory. Um, she was also very credible. She could remember ketchup on the wall and she talked about her impressions about what was said, um, the context of what was going on. And for her in particular to be there, this is someone who doesn't have incentive to be against the president necessarily, um, speaking of former President Trump, um, someone who's a part of his administration, but saying from the behind the scenes, giving us a perspective into the White House, this is what was going on. So I think her credibility yeah. and the reliability was very important. And she's the exact kind of person who can provide the testimony that could change hearts and minds as folks watch. And Adam, some have said accordingly that, that, that this could have been a big week for potential Republican presidential candidates not named Donald Trump. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, Ron DeSantis is in Florida watching these uh, hearings uh, with both horror but glee. Uh, you know, this really makes him someone who can embody 
the parts of Trumpism that most resonate with voters, but without having any of the baggage of January 6th and being a bit more of a steady, you know, intellectual presence. He's a Harvard University grad, uh, someone who's very strategic, very thoughtful. And a lot of Trump donors we know from our reporting at Politico are moving to DeSantis and they're ready to be over with the Trump show. We'll see what it means for Mike Pence as well. Adam and our panel, thanks. Up next, we're going to talk about the new Indiana law now in effect, making it legal for most anyone to possess a handgun. An Indiana mayor sharing his concerns about that new law straight ahead. Well, with July underway, a new state law is now in effect that essentially makes it legal to possess a handgun in Indiana without a permit. The mayor of Indianapolis says he's concerned the new law could potentially lead to more deadly shootings. We're sensitive to that. Um, it's, I think, an unfortunate decision made by the Indiana General Assembly that has been imposed on us, and we will respond as best we can. The mayor says he'll soon be announcing another $4.5 million in community anti-violence grants, and he's opening up applications for another $10 million in funding. The state's new law on transgender athletes also taking effect this week as well. Any student assigned male at birth won't be allowed to compete on a girls' team. That law has been challenged in court. Other laws passed this year now in effect include an update to Indiana's definition of rape and a measure to prevent coerced abortions. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Casey, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, big shameless plug real fast. Uh, winner, Indiana Capital Chronicle for launching this week. But big loser, Indiana taxpayers. Um, while many Hoosiers, half uh, roughly, are still waiting for the first automatic tax refund uh, check, uh, we're still seeing now a delay in yeah. the second $225 check that we don't know uh, when it's going to come. Abdul. So. Uh, losers this week, uh, Indi- uh, not Indiana, uh, U.S. House Republicans. After the Cassidy Hutchinson testimony, they probably wish they had someone uh, on that panel, maybe push back against some of her testimony. My big winner this week, the first church of cannabis, seven years old this weekend. How about that, Laura? <laughs> uh, my winner is the Big Ten, which is no longer 10, but just got a little bit bigger. And in addition to that, on the Supreme Court, certainly winners for conservatism, but also Tanji Brown Jackson, who joins as the 116th Justice. Adam. Uh, just one loser this week, Representative Jim Banks. He's really struggled to mount a cogent defense of President Trump amid the hearings on January 6th this week. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. We hope you join us again next week. Thanks for watching.